First up this, the, this evening, though, we get to the Bosma trial. Uh, once again, uh, Alex Pearson, who's been covering this trial, I mean, it's been a grind, Alex. It has been a grind. You, you are, I, I don't know when you get a vacation after all this, but you deserve some kind of vacation. We're, we're down to what, the fifth month, sixth month now? No, we're in, we're into four and a half months. Uh, now I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> I don't I don't actually keep track. But That's is, probably for the gr- best. It, the worst gr- part of the grind is the drive home because I, I'm stuck usually in the hell of, of rush hour, which is anything but a rush. Yeah, no, no kidding. But it, it has been going on for a long, long time, and I'm yeah. guessing that maybe today was the first time you didn't appear on this station multiple times. So it was it was a bit of a break, but that for that reason, we wanted to be sure to get you on here because today was, uh, I think the closing arguments are a maybe the most crystallizing part of the case for yeah. people there because you've had all the bits and pieces of evidence that have been smattered and scattered all over the trial. Now you get the lawyer who is able to crystallize it down and put all the evidence into the narrative and the story that he wants the jury to believe. Everything of four months, and they put their version of and their theory to the jury, and it's really the last uh, impact that they can have. It's their only chance that they can speak directly to the jury and say, "Hey, here's what we want you to focus on, and here's why our guy is innocent, or here's why you know we believe the accused are guilty." So we got through the Millard team. Uh, I thought he did a very good job. It was a uh, Ravine uh, Palais who did the, the closings for the Millard team. And uh, he actually finished his entire close, uh, stuck to schedule. Um, and I think he, he landed some pretty good punches. He certainly uh, was directing the finger of blame all at Mark Smitch, suggesting that why would a rich guy like Bella Millard, who can easily afford to buy a Dodge 3500, why would he throw away his whole life? you know, to kill a guy over a truck that he could afford when it was Mr. Smitch who was desperate. He had no job. He had no money. He was a, a loser. He was kind of desperate in life. He's the one who needed the money. And He's that's not been... Going to impact out. And Alex, that has really been the puzzler for a lot of people about this entire case. You've got a guy who's got oodles of money, more than almost anybody who's actually following the trial by the sounds of it. Yeah. Why would you do this? for a vehicle that you could easily afford. That, so it's, it's obvious that that has to be the main question he's going to have to answer with this close. Well, the, that, or one of them. Has been, that question has been answered, and it was answered by Andrew Michalski. And sometimes it's not about money. Sometimes it's not about a crime of passion. Sometimes it's for the thrill of it. And that was his answer. Why would a guy with all these means do this? And Andrew Michalski said, for the thrill of it. So whether or not the jury believes that that's what happened, we'll have to wait and see. But that's certainly uh, what, what one of the key witnesses of this trial said, which makes this very, very unique. Uh, a, a thrill kill is, is so unique in this country, so unique in, in any place, to think that maybe someone lost their life because, um, just because. I mean, it, it makes no sense to people. And and not only does it not make any sense, but if that is actually what happened in so many ways, I mean, listen, anytime someone's losing their life in a murder situation, it's horrific beyond words. But somehow it seems to me that that makes it almost the worst possible scenario. I I don't know why. I don't know why, why it would be worse than someone who's been, you know, killed for some other reason. But it just seems so entirely senseless if that's really what happened. 
Well, it is, and then that's why it becomes so unique and so rare, because most crimes are driven by a reason. It's maybe a lover's quarrel or maybe a, a, a fight over money or maybe it's a gang retaliation. Usually you can come up with a motive um, and, and somehow uh, a reason for something to happen. But in this case, if that tr- truly becomes uh, the outcome of it, it makes no sense at all, which, which means that it's even more tragic. Uh, that a guy like Tim Bosma, someone who was, you know, his parents did everything right in life, raising him well. You know, he was a member of the community. He had uh, and believed in his faith, and he was loved by people. He was polite, and, you know, he wanted to sell his truck and, and raise money so that he and his wife could maybe have another child. You know, he was being responsible, and that cost him his life somehow because he was too trusting. Nice. You know, and, and it's interesting you bring that up, Alex, just before we get to the to the rest of the Millard's clothes, because that point you raised, I think there were a lot of people going into this trial that had heard all the stories of what a good guy Tim Bosma was, yeah. and yet at the same time kind of were gritting their teeth just a little because they're saying, okay, he can't be that good a guy and have this happen. There has to be a catch here somewhere, mm-hmm. and that never came up in the trial. He legitimately was that good a guy. Yeah, most people who came into this thing were like, there must have been something Tim Bosman did to piss these guys off. Right. He must have shortchanged them. He must have been involved in drugs. Everyone had a theory right. uh, of why Tim Bosman somehow brought this to himself because no one could believe it could just happen for the thrill of it. Right, it doesn't happen this learned, way. He did nothing wrong. He just simply put an ad in the paper like so many people do and met two wrong guys. Okay, so Dellen Millard's lawyer gets up today, and I, I, the story that with the headline that was in the spec uh, partway through the day today that Molly Hayes posted, I, I, the yeah. headline struck me immediately because I find this to be such an interesting defense or line of defense that his lawyer came up with, which was yeah. basically Dellen Millard is just too darn smart to have been caught for killing somebody. So forget all the other stuff. He's too smart to have done this. That's fascinating to me that that would be their line of defense. Well, hey, you know, he had the money, he had the means, he had no reason to get himself caught up in something like this. Um, and that's, that's what they're trying to, to sell, is that um, he would have planned this kind of thing, like he did with all his other, other quote-unquote missions. You know, they spent time making sure there were lookouts and walkie-talkies and did it in, in the darkness, and if it was problematic, they would abort the plan. But he planned these things, and he ran a business, and he... He, he was not a, um, a careless guy, if you're to believe Pelay. But, you know, it, it, they're hoping that the jury will believe that there's no way that he would get caught up in something like this. But, but he did, and he was cleaning up Mark Smitch's mess. And, and therefore, you know, that's, that's what he's guilty of, is being at the, you know, this place with Mark Smitch, who pulled out his gun and fired it, and he was so desperate for money, and now Dellen's stuck cleaning it up, and he gets brought into it. Is there a, a second edge to this sword, though, that you possibly play when you when you use this defense? And that is, if this guy is so smart that maybe he actually thought he could get away with this because he is a really smart, clever guy, and, you know, oops, left a little bit of evidence behind and didn't work out so well this time. Yeah, I mean, his lawyer is suggesting, do you really think he would leave the keys of Bosma's car in his car and the prints, and he was touching things, and he didn't, he didn't wear a... Like, the argument he was making all day was... Dylan Millard showed up at the Bosma house with nothing but a T-shirt on and a pair of pants. So his tattoos were exposed. His face was exposed. He talked to these people. He wasn't nervous. Whereas Mr. Smitch 
had on a hoodie. He wasn't talking to anyone. He was considered sketchy. Uh, he was all covered up uh, in this very baggy hoodie. Um, and so that's how he juxtaposed both of these men to say, look, my guy simply went to scope out a truck. It was, you know, desperate Mr. Smith who's conniving, calculating, uh, and really painted a picture of, of this not-so-nice guy because we've seen Mr. Smith in that court and all along he's been tr- kind of painted as this preppy guy next door when the reality is uh, he was a pretty fierce-looking guy back in the day. And, you know, he sang about some pretty interesting topics. Not that that makes anyone a murderer, but when you own a 380 or you have a 380 and it's the same gun that killed Tim Bosma and you're talking about hiding from the police and that's what you were doing and, and you're, you're, you're singing about the scenarios that, oh, yeah, you kind of just acted out in real life, that's when it becomes a bit of a problem for you, certainly when you're charged with first-degree murder. But that, that's essentially what they laid out today. And again, going back to what I said right off the top and what yeah. you were saying, this is the lawyer's chance not to be having to do bits and pieces, but to yeah. very clearly state what they're saying. So we heard them before in cross-examination lead the jury to the point where they might, or at least they would want to believe it was Mark Smith. Today, they clearly said Mark Smith was the guy who did it. Yeah. Directly. Really? And they also debunked the crown theory that Tim Bosma was shot and killed in the field, uh, you know, near to the Bosma home, because certainly someone would have heard it. And Del Millard would never have shot a gun anywhere near to the dog that he loved so much. Uh, we wouldn't scare him. And, you know, he, he debunked this, this crown theory, though, that Mr. Bosma was shot and killed very quickly after he left his home. He just said it just didn't happen like that. How it happened was when Mark Smith was in the vehicle and decided that this was the truck they were going to take, and he took out his gun and, and you know, accidentally it went off and Tim Bosman died. And again, going back, I was talking not with you, I was talking with Molly the other day, and one of the yeah. questions that had come up was, at this point, even to the end of the trial now, nobody is arguing they weren't there. I mean, that, there, there was nothing in the closing that was trying to... He was, he's acknowledging that he was there, which, which obviously would explain, even in the defense, even in the argument, why there was the evidence, why that stuff was around. There's no argument that he was a completely innocent person in the entirety of the story. No, but does that make him guilty of first degree? There's a difference. Of course. He, he can be found uh, guilty of, of lesser degrees. A lot of people say, you know, can he get then uh, accessory after the fact or another charge? He cannot. But he can be found uh, guilty of a le- he can outright be acquitted, or he can be found guilty of a lesser degree like second degree and or manslaughter, which would be a real blow to the crown because they want first degree. Could he be acquitted entirely of any kind of charges directly related to the killing, but be convicted of something that would be an indignity to the human body or something like that after the not, fact? Not, not unless he's charged with that, and so, he wasn't charged with that. So okay, he's only facing first degree, which is. I don't say only in a, a trite way. Sure, no, no. That, that's the big one. Um, and, and, and look, Crown has a very, very strong case. I mean, they've put, I think, together a, a really fantastic case without the two biggest pieces of evidence, which are the murder weapon and the body. And mm. that's very, very difficult to do. But what they've done so masterfully is really uh, trace the steps of these men through technology. And, of course, they had a couple of DNA prints uh, of Millard, with the fingerprints, and of course they found Mr. Bosma's keys and the truck within his possession. Uh, but that goes to Mr. Pillay's argument. 
they were so careless in this cover-up because Mr. Millard was caught off track. He didn't know what to do because it was never a plan to kill anybody, silly. I mean, he had to hide the, the trailer and the truck at his mom's place. Like, why would he do that? And he wasn't, uh, he took it back to the hangar when people were there working. I mean, he was just so caught off guard by this that he was doing foolish things. So therefore, there couldn't be a plan. We are one-third of the way through the explanations, or as I like to call yeah. them, the, the truths in, in quotation marks, because, you know, there's there's actually four truths in this story. There's the three versions, and then there's the real thing that happened, sure. which will probably be some amalgam. But based on what you heard today, you've heard all the evidence in this trial. You know it as well as anybody who's followed this. Mm-hmm. How do you grade the, law, the lawyer's performance today? Do you think he was effective enough with what he said that even you might have said, huh, there's a few things there that raise some questions for me? I think Lay did a very good job today, given, I mean, look, you can only do so much with what you've got to work with. Right. I mean, these guys are pretty good lawyers, and I expect that Dungey will do a pretty good job, too. And yes, uh, from an outsider perspective, I can see how someone could say, yeah, maybe. But I've covered too many of these cases to be swayed that easily. But uh, I think Lay did a good job, given... Uh, what he had to work with, and I and I, and I, it only takes one juror. It only takes one juror to say, you know, I just don't see it the way you guys do, and then you get a whole different outcome. Exactly. Yeah. No. Exactly. Uh, just before we let you go, one thing mm-hmm. to exp- one thing more thing to explain here: the Millard did not testify. And it always had been my understanding with criminal cases, with murder cases, with jury trials, that if you don't testify, you get to give your closing last. So why was he up first? No, that, well, his name is on the docket. I, I don't know that. Um, so no, he, he was his name's first on the indictment, and he's always his team has always gone first. Um, but I've never heard that, so I'm not sure where that comes out of. I, I it, it's just simply that I haven't heard it. Okay, because it was my understanding that part of the advantage, if you chose not to testify, yeah. it means you get to have the last word. So I was puzzled mm-hmm. a little bit today why he was up first. Now who's up tomorrow then? We've got Mr. Smith's uh, team. So okay. Tom Dungey will come up, and he has the whole day to once again reiterate his client's version of events, which is that, you know, he just went to steal a truck, and he, he didn't know that Dell had a gun with him, and he had no idea. And then all of a sudden, uh, Dell, you know, turned into a lunatic and killed Tim Bosma. Of course, he wasn't in the truck. He was following behind. Um, and then about the gun, why he doesn't know where that... Uh, gun went. He'll be. He'll talk about that. But I think I think Mr. Dungey will also do a good job. Which you know he's kind of got a, a following down there at the court because his his method and the style of his um, is quite you know old school. He's not politically correct at all. Um, but I do think as well. Once we get to the crown, they go on Friday or on Thursday rather. I think they'll do a very good job as well. I mean, given what they've you know presented so far. I mean, I think they've done a fantastic job really directing this jury uh, to a clear and concise case uh, of, you know, this plan to steal, kill, and incinerate. I think they've done as good a job as they could, given what they had to work with uh, and what they didn't have to work with. So I think they've all actually done very good jobs with, with, with what they had, with the tools. Alex Pearson, we did not want to let a day go by that you did not <laughs> appear on 900 CHML. Thanks for taking some time tonight. My pleasure. My pleasure. Cheers.